the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The intersection of our faith and the world is a battlefield strewn with debris of a fallen world. It challenges even the hardiest souls. And yet, this intersection is the context of our faith. As courageous Christian warriors, we must navigate this difficult terrain in our personal walk and as we seek to bring Christ to those who are lost and struggling. As a colonel in the Marine Corps Reserves with numerous combat deployments, Richard Mendelow has walked dangerous ground in peacetime and in war. Join us for the next 30 minutes as he and his guests shed light on this critical intersection on spiritual combat and on the rules of engagement for courageous Christianity. And here's your host, Richard Mendelow. Friends, welcome. Today is June 6th, the 76th anniversary of D-Day. On this date, in 1944, Allied soldiers parachuted into and attacked the beaches of France in a campaign to turn back the tide of Nazi evil, which was spreading throughout Europe, Africa, and Asia. As dark as things seemed in 1944, with God's help, they were successful. They ended the Nazi murder of freedom across Europe. They ended the murder of Jews in Nazi concentration camps. And they ended the Nazi slaughter of truth, their rewriting of the Bible, their rewriting of history, and their burning of books. Their sacrifices reverberate throughout our freedom today. The echoes can be heard each day in the laughing of children of all races and creeds, in the reading of Bibles, and in our freedom to voice our faith as we choose. Yes, let me remind you that last point, we do have the freedom in this nation to voice our faith as we choose, and it came at great cost. Today on Courageous Christianity, we're going to talk about their sacrifice and what it means for us. As always, I'm joined by and so grateful for Christy Stratton, my fearless wingman, who has a birthday coming up. (laughs) Good morning. Shh, don't tell anyone. (laughs) All right, I won't. Before we begin today's conversation, I must remind you that as a colonel still serving in the Marine Corps Reserve, I have to preface my comments by saying that these are my personal views, and they do not necessarily represent the Department of Defense or the Department of the Navy. Please pray with us. Heavenly Father, we give thanks today for the men who sacrificed for the freedom which we enjoy. We thank you for their courageous hearts and for their families which offered them that others may live. We beseech you, Lord, to help us to be worthy of their sacrifices and to show our appreciation in the way we live our lives each day. And help us to emulate their courage in the way we speak and act for you. May all we do be glorifying unto you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Friends, I'm going to ask you to bear with me today. I'd like to read to you from an opinion piece that I have written for this momentous occasion, and I beg your indulgence. 
In regard to COVID-19, we've talked a lot about flattening the curve in strategic efforts to preclude the medical community from being overrun. Quarantine, social distancing, and closures all had as their objective the prevention of a spike in cases which would exceed the capacity of healthcare in this nation. This notion has become a household understanding, and I'd like to offer another similar paradigm. It also concerns victims, caregivers, and a virulent threat. There's a Marine Corps saying, the more you sweat in peacetime, the less you bleed in wartime. Basically, it means that hard, realistic training and preparation will help Marines to succeed in combat. The more intentional the effort, the fewer the casualties and the greater the chances of success. I believe a similar concept applies to our spiritual lives, whereby we can make warriors or treat casualties. Let me explain. When I was preparing for one of my combat deployments, I had training which said, a man with a knife within 21 feet of you who has decided to attack you can get to you faster than you can draw your pistol. Why? Because he has already decided, and you have to react. You may be wondering what all this has to do with faith. I'll tell you in five words. The devil has already decided. To protect yourself, to protect your family, to protect your children, whether they're young and in the house or grown and making families of their own. To thrive on the spiritual battlefield of this world, discerning truth from lies, responding to hate with love, offering genuine compassion and encouragement in the name of Jesus, and developing ourselves for success in his plans for a victorious nation of holy priests, we must prepare for battle. It is a reality. To minimize trauma and casualties, as with COVID and bloody combat, we must develop our warrior mindset before the engagements with evil, which will determine our fate. If you're having trouble with this picture, allow me to take a slight detour. The Bible is either true or false. There's no middle ground. Jesus said he is the Son of God. Either he is or he is a nut. He said, love your neighbor, and we all like that one. He said, I have overcome the world, and we all like that one. But he also said, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And he also said, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. The last two statements about the devil prowling around and Jesus coming, not to bring peace but to put us to a decision, we may not like as much as the first two. But these statements are all true or all false. There's no middle ground. And we know they are true. Jesus is the Son of God. And we are at war. In fact, right now, society is overwhelmed with casualties. Even the church is inundated with the broken and disheartened. As Christians, we are not preparing intentionally for combat, and the enemy, who has already decided, is having his way with us. We are being overrun. If you don't believe me, ask yourself how many children are growing up in loving households with two God-fearing parents. Ask yourself why the eggs of certain animal species are protected by law, but unborn human babies are not. Ask yourself why almost every TV show and movie can openly promote premarital sex and vulgarity, but if you mention the word God, you are offensive. Ask yourself when you last saw news coverage without a worldly slant. Friends, the devil is inside 21 feet with a knife, and we haven't drawn our Bibles. In fact, he has his knife pressed against our throat, and we still worry about offending people by talking about God. In 2018, I spoke to a group from Oliver North's Freedom Alliance and the NRA at Omaha Beach in Normandy, France. I talked about the clash between good and evil that took place there, and it's relevant to our discussion today. This is what I said. 
I've wondered over the last couple days what would be worth saying in a place like Omaha Beach, and especially since we're going to be walking through the cemetery later. The question I've asked myself is what would the men who died here want to say to us? When we walk through the cemetery later, we're going to hear their voices. I think they're going to say a couple things. We study history. We look at the past to learn what questions to ask about the present so as to better understand the future. That's why many are so dedicated to having us not ask questions about the past and, in fact, rewriting the past, because that makes anything possible in the future. So whatever they want us to do, we have to do the opposite. This is why we are standing here at Omaha Beach asking questions about the past. And so I have three observations about the past which I'd like to share with you and then a conclusion about the future. First, Hitler came to power in January 1933. He started building Dachau, the first concentration camp, in March 1933. He knew exactly what he was doing. Neville Chamberlain, when confronted with Mr. Hitler, thought he was a nice man. He tried to appease Mr. Hitler. Lesson number one, you can't appease evil. 65 million people died in World War II. Lesson number two, when the men attacked this beach willing to sacrifice their lives in the clash between good and evil, they still knew nothing about the Holocaust. The Holocaust, which would claim 12 million Jews, gypsies, and others in concentration camps. Though this did not impact their willingness to die in this struggle, my conclusion is that evil is always worse than you think it is. My third conclusion comes from my experience last summer as the on-scene commander for the Marine KC-130 crash in Mississippi. On July 10, 2017, at 3.50 p.m., a Marine KC-130 carrying seven crew and nine Marine Special Operations Command Raiders opened up at 20,000 feet just west of Greenwood, Mississippi, and all 16 died. Last month in July, we had the one-year anniversary where family members were given the opportunity to come and see where their loved ones died and where we found their bodies. 206 people showed up. So for the 16 servicemen who died, there were 206 loved ones. That's about 13 for each person. So for the 150,000 men who attacked these beaches, perhaps there are about 2 million people at home loving them and holding their breaths. For the 3,700 who were killed or wounded on these beaches, there were 48,000 people at home. When you add friends, teachers, and coaches, plus those producing the weapons they would use or who would be impacted by the outcome of this battle, the number approaches the population of the United States. If you add to that those who were in concentration camps and those threatened by the future evil of the Nazis, the number becomes inconceivable. The conclusion that I draw from this is that there are no bystanders in the clash between good and evil. So number one, you can't appease evil. Number two, evil is always worse than you think it is. And number three, there are no bystanders. I believe Edmund Burke said the only thing required for evil to triumph is that good men do nothing. And what we understand from these conclusions is that is not an option. In our lives, wherever life takes us, in whatever ways we can, using our resources and talents each day, we make choices to stand against evil. We cannot wait for our government. There is no top-down solution. Nor will we be liked. The further a society drifts from the truth, the more it hates those who speak it. Nonetheless, it's up to us, one day at a time. Friends, Unlike the men who sacrificed so much on this day in 1944, as Christians in America today, everything is in our favor. Their sacrifice has given us the freedom to speak for our God. And I don't think there could be anything more important. It's the foundation of all we do. Now, I don't say all of this 
And Christy, I, I hope you're not hearing that we should uh, be fearful, be scared, anything like that. What I'm saying is we should be emboldened. We should start from a place of gratitude, genuine, deep gratitude for our opportunity as Christians and for the opportunity that we have as Americans, which has been given to us so that we can shape the world around us for better. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not hearing a fearful place. I'm actually hearing an empowering place. And and I may or may not say this right or well, but what came to mind was if you are not a part of the solution, then you're a part of the problem. And for me, that empowers me because that makes me think even in the smallest things that I can do, I can I can have an impact. Yeah, it's kind of a double-edged sword because when you think in terms of good and evil, it's so huge, kind of like I talked about a few shows ago, it could make you feel small. Right. But the truth is, just like that battle on Normandy beaches was one engagement at a time. So in our lives, with the opportunity that we have, we actually win the battle between good and evil Local, small, little actions each day taken in faith yeah, and in love. You know, the other thing that, that hit me in your, in your talk was that 21 feet thing that you talked about. That the, the a man with a knife inside 21 feet can get to you faster than you can draw your weapon. Right. And, and I think you referenced it. I know we've talked about it. I mean, the devil's already decided. Right. And, and so... In going back to the solution problem situation, we it sounds like we have to be prepared. And I know I've said this several several times, and I think it's this is what empowers me is that what I do, even it's if you, even if it's just me, it matters. Yeah. What what ties all of the things together that I was mentioning in that piece are preparation. Yeah. The more you sweat in peace time, the less you bleed in wartime quarantine, social distancing, flattening the curve. What we're trying to do is minimize casualties in a conflict that we understand is very real and is producing casualties right now. And so preparation, uh, preparation in gratitude, preparation in courage and power, knowing that I can take steps in the morning when I wake up to read my Bible and clothe myself in Christ and then go out in the day and in love Stand firm in my faith. If I'm on Facebook and I get involved in some silly conversation, well, I just became part of the problem. Right, exactly. And scripture says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edification, that it may minister grace unto the hearer. And so you think about your Facebook comment and you say, oh, yikes, that didn't minister grace to anybody. And so tomorrow I'll be more careful. And tomorrow I won't get involved in this conversation. tawdry nonsense. Yeah, we call ourselves Christian. We might even put it on our wall and then we get into these, we're not showing up as Christians. Right. We get, we get in these muddy brawls. Yeah. And so the thing that I think helps is to just always be aware of the amazing opportunity, uh, that movie saving private Ryan Mm, appropriate, amazing movie also about the Normandy invasion. And in one of the final scenes, Tom Hanks and his uh, soldiers have gone deep into Nazi territory to rescue 
uh, Matt Damon's character. Right. And everybody but Matt Damon uh, dies. And in one of the last scenes, Tom Hanks is on the bridge, and he looks at Matt Damon as uh, Tom Hanks is dying, and he says, earn this. Yeah. And truthfully, genuinely, we have to think about that because to come from a place of gratitude, to come from a place of power, to have the discipline to take steps, it's our responsibility. And by the way, it's also our joy. I said to you, um, I like working out. Yeah. I like going to the gym. Right. And one of the things I like about it is when you wake up in the morning, you know you have to eat healthy. You know you're going to have a bunch of small meals. You know you're going to have to hydrate. And the fact that I'm going to go to the gym in the afternoon and blow off steam and let go of everything and be in my happy place is a framework for my day. Mm-hmm. In a similar way that waking up, having my Bible... Yeah. Getting my heart sorted out absolutely is a framework, yeah. and it gives everything context. And uh, I'm I think at peace every with that. everything can be done. I've even heard said before: when you get up and you make your bed, do that as to the glory of of God. Do everything like, as I if mean, unto the Lord. Yes, better said than I. No, beautiful. But you know, th- thank goodness I have a bed. Like the gratitude that I right. get to make the bed, that you get to work out, that we get to have a Bible. Yeah, um, that's huge. We asked in our show two weeks ago from John chapter 1, verse 38, uh, Jesus asked the first two disciples, what do you want? And so I hope you heard that show. If not, you can go back and look at kkht.com and download the podcast. But in asking that question, what do you want, if you've had the time to really think through it, it is terribly important because when we figure out what we want, we then have to sow the seeds which we will reap so as to get that. So if we said we wanted peace, we have to sow seeds of peace. And you said something really important when we were having that discussion. You said, as we get clear on our motivations, we will be able to get to some place real. Right. And I just love that. Yeah. Well, and it, it goes, you asked me the question, and quite honestly, like many listeners may be, I'm still working with it. I think it's a long-term question that really helps you dive deep into the true, and we talked about motivation, motivation, and someplace real. Uh, it's an evolving question. It's an evolving question, yeah. Uh, absolutely. So we talked about, as we get clarity, we understand our heart's desires. Many places in the Bible, it talks about God will give us our heart's desires. If our desires are for the flesh and for money and those types of things, God will leave us in that world. If our desire is for him and the things of our faith, love, peace, joy, um, we will have those things in our focus on him. And it's answering that question in the clarity of our heart's desires that leads us off the path trodden by so many Scripture says the way is wide. Uh, and that Robert Frost poem comes to mind where uh, called The Road Not Taken when he said, two roads diverged in a wood and I, I took the one less traveled by and that has made all the difference. And I said in that show that your faith with your God is unique unto you and your relationship with him as any child has a unique relationship with his parents. And... As we get clear on that, and as we sow seeds, which we will eventually reap, like the men at Normandy, we have to take action. 
So we will all reap what we sow. The Bible guarantees that. And what I'm suggesting is that we sow intentionally, daily, with commitment, what we desire to reap, and that we do it in honor of the freedom bought for each of us at such a high cost. And we do it with a sense of urgency in the context of this very real spiritual battlefield. So in Jesus, we are free from sin, and we have that freedom. And in the United States of America, we are also free. Mm. We have that voice. We have that opportunity. And I think we have uh, a responsibility. My thought about freedom is this, use it or lose it. So the devil's already decided. He's arrayed his forces against us, and we have an opportunity. And that's the truth, and it brings us to the moment of truth, uh, which is a moment we take in each show to take Scripture from the Bible, which informs our discussion. And we do that to lead people to the understanding that the Bible is a living, breathing document given to us by a loving Father, totally relevant and perfect And in all questions, we must first seek to understand his guidance. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. So this is why Jesus asked the disciples from the moment they decided to follow him, What do you want? It's the beginning of everyone's authentic journey in Christ to answer this question. And the rest of our lives basically involves walking out the answers. And as you say, it's going to be a, a, a deepening, expanding uh, journey, and it's a beautiful journey. And as we gain clarity, then we can courageously sow those seeds in everything we do. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yes. If we want peace, we sow peace. Spend time with Jesus if you want to know Jesus. Be encouraging if you want hope. Be faithful if you want righteousness. Be kind and truthful if you want true love. Simply put, daisies beget daisies, pumpkin seeds beget pumpkins, and our faith lived out courageously in a nation of abundant freedoms will give life to God's kingdom on earth and all the good that we can do. We will reap what we sow. Friends, as we begin to wrap up, let me just say that I understand fear. I really do. Over the last couple of weeks, Christy and I have talked a lot about Dr. Brene Brown and her work on vulnerability. She defines vulnerability as an area in which the outcome is uncertain. I would say that for the individuals who fought their Normandy and the beaches, Omaha, among them, that outcome was uncertain. I would say the possibilities for the spread of COVID-19 were uncertain. Mm -hmm. I would not say that the clash between good and evil is uncertain. Still, for those of us who live in the world, I understand that we can feel vulnerable. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about vulnerability. We're going to come back to sowing and reaping, and we will talk about courage. We will get more comfortable in the space and in thinking of ourselves as warriors. It's not other people who have courage. It's something we can find in ourselves when we spend more time in a situation. That brings us to our quote of the day. And in this quote of the day, Marcus Aurelius said, The impediment to action advances action. What stands in the way becomes the way. Mm. Vulnerability is the impediment to action. At the intersection of our faith and the secular world, we are untrained and unprepared. We do not spend a lot of time in this space. We tend to shy away from it. It's no surprise that we feel vulnerable here. Still, I can tell you with complete authority that the more time we spend here, the more comfortable we will get. Finally, I want to assure you on this very special day 
that the men who sacrificed so much on the beaches of Normandy were scared. Still they met and triumphed over the enemy. It is okay to be scared. As you become practice, you'll be less scared. It's okay to be unsure when presented with the opportunity to talk to somebody about faith. When you become practice, you will be less unsure. All we can ask of each other because the stakes are so high is that together we step forward into vulnerability in Jesus' name behind the shield of faith, and that is Courageous Christianity. Should you want to reach me, I can be contacted at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com or 281-656-1833. Thanks for joining Christy and me today. We are honored to walk with you in Christ. God bless and simplify. Oh,